you can make choices. You don't need someone else to tell you whether your choices are appropriate or not because everybody's different. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When you choose an elective cesarean for your first birth, you're about as far from the home birth experience as you can get. There's no way you'd ever consider a home birth later on right? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 191 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking to Jordan Adams, a student and stay-at-home mother of three. She lives in the metro Detroit area with her husband, her three children, Emerson, Lennon, and Auburn, as well as her two dogs, so it is never boring. Jordan's first home birth was her first VBAC, and she's been birth obsessed ever since. Now, before we jump in, I'd love to take a moment to thank this week's reviewer of the week, KRH0920, who wrote, my favorite and top recommended. Pregnant or not, I can't stay away from this podcast. Such a wide array of experiences and wisdom. It is my top recommendation to all my mama or mama-to-be friends no matter what kind of birth they are hoping and planning for. As I plan for my own home birth, it has been such a resource and encouragement to me. KRH0920, thank you so much for this powerful review. If you'd email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'd love to send you a Happy Home Birth Podcast sticker. Your reviews truly help build our community, and I am so deeply grateful to all who take the time to leave such kind words. Speaking of this beautiful community, I want to go deeper with you, and we are about to open up our enrollment for the Home Birth Collective. Our second cohort will be underway in October, and we are going to run through the end of December. So you know Home Birth is a transformational experience unlike any other, and I want to invite you to take full responsibility and full control over the joy of that experience through the Home Birth Collective, where we will be diving so much deeper into preparing by really invoking the primal mother, which is what I call it, which is that mother inside of you who already knows what to do. And then once we have that foundation laid, once we understand our nervous system, once we understand our boundaries, once we understand what it actually means to have a successful birth experience, then we get to learn about physiological birth and labor. Then we get to learn about the coping techniques and how to apply this information with our spouse and how to set up our birthing space and how to remain autonomous during our birth experience. All of this in a very small, very intimate community. It is a sisterhood like no other. I will say the mothers in this first cohort I love them and I feel so connected to them and I don't know what I'm going to do when I have to say goodbye to them. The only thing that is bringing me joy is thinking, okay, I will be connecting with this new group of mothers and I want you in that group. So 
Once applications open, and they are going to be opening very, very soon, early September. So once those are open, you can get your spot. And I would try to get it quickly because we have to keep these numbers very small to keep it so intimate. If you are interested, go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash collective. That is right now the waitlist page. So you will be immediately notified once applications are open. And then once applications are open, it will turn into the application page. So whether you're listening to this before it's open or not, that's the place to go. I can't wait to connect with you and to support you further. All right, let's jump into Jordan's incredible transformative story. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and this show is not medical advice, it's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for yourself and your family. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to. Would you take a moment just to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, my name is Jordan. I live in the Metro Detroit area with my husband and our three children, Emerson, Lennon, and Auburn, uh, and our two dogs. And I am a student and a stay-at-home mom. Wonderful. So let's jump right in. Would you tell me a little bit about your first pregnancy experience and birth? Yeah, my first I had... um, when I was pretty young. I was 21 when I found out that I was pregnant with her. Um, And she was an elective (laughs) C-section. And Mm -hmm. I feel so weird saying that now with how far I've come from where I was at 21 years old. Um, But I was just so terrified of birth. Uh, It was really one of the first things that I thought of when I found out that I was pregnant. I just thought, oh God, like, how can I do this? I didn't know. I knew so little about my body and how it worked. And I just, there was no one around me to educate me. The only person that I had known personally, I'm adopted. So my mom had no birth stories. Um, My sister and I are both adopted. And the only person that was relatively close to my age who had had a baby recently was my oldest sister-in-law. And she had a plan C-section because her son was breached. And she talked a lot about how, oh, it was really not bad and it was pretty easy and the recovery was pretty easy and it was so convenient. You just go in at your scheduled time and have your baby and 15 minutes later you got your baby and that's the end of it. So I was like, that's, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) I was way too scared to try even really even to educate myself. I would start reading things and I'd get so overwhelmed. It was just a lot of anxiety. So I just, I went ahead with my plan and I'm kind of the type of person that once I have something in my head, that's what I'm doing. So I don't know anybody like that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. So I, I had my mother-in-law was like, you can do this. You should just try. And I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. And, um, it was okay. I mean, it was fine. I, my experience was fine. I obviously had nothing to compare it to. I did not know what I was losing out on. Um, my daughter was born. She was amazing. She, I then after, um, kind of dealt with like a lot of consequences. I, I believe at least of just completely skipping, even trying a vaginal birth. And I, we did not have a very good time breastfeeding. I struggled hard with postpartum depression for the first year of her life. And just all of that, like, 
the things that I think disconnected, I think I kind of disconnected myself from my experience. And then I was just kind of scrambling to figure out motherhood, my new identity, navigating this depression. And so when I went to try to conceive my second, I knew I wanted something different. By this time, it was three years later, and I knew that I wanted to have a vaginal birth. I was pretty sure I wanted a med-free birth, but I knew for sure I did not want another C-section. I had learned a lot in trying to conceive her. So that was kind of what led me to uh, just planning a natural birth, not even a home birth, but just a natural birth. So I'm curious to know when you presented this to your doctors, like I want to have an elective C-section, what was their response? Were they like, okay, cool, let's sign you up? (laughs) I had two doctors. Uh, My first one, she did not love that at all. Um, And she was very, she was very clear that she didn't like that idea. She was like reluctantly agreed to it, but she would remind me at every appointment that she didn't like it. And I started to feel like it created this relationship between her and I, that was very combative. Um, there were a few other things that ended up happening. Like I, I gained, I personally now don't think it's a lot of weight. I gained 50 pounds in my first pregnancy and she would like kind of throw jabs at me for how much weight I was gaining and like made me do the three hour glucose test, even though I passed the one hour because she just kept talking about how my weight gain was going to harm my baby and all this stuff. And so just her being so iffy about doing what I thought was, you know, my choice at the time, even though I understand why she really didn't want to do it, obviously now. Um, But I just felt like we were not vibing and I didn't like the whole, the glucose test experience. I did not like that, that she made me do it and like guilted me into I mean, she was like telling me to diet and exercise while I was pregnant to lose weight. So I did not like that. And I went to another doctor who, when I went to her and told her what I wanted, again, was like, you know, your body is made to do this. And here's all the reasons why you shouldn't be afraid and tried to educate me. But she said, you know, uh, if this is what you're set on, then yeah, I'll do it. And she was very sweet. And she did it. Um, And then she also was my sister-in-law's doctor. My sister-in-law's oldest child is six months younger than my oldest. So Mm -hmm. she went and she did her vaginal birth. And she was, you know, I kind of look back at it and I'm like, dang, she would have been a great doctor to actually have a vaginal birth in the hospital because she had a pretty good experience with her. But Mm -hmm. overall, she was just, she was sweet and supportive of what I wanted. I wasn't really ready to listen to anyone (laughs) at that time in my life, but I had to kind of like, you know, like most young women, I feel like learn through my own experience of, Ooh, that's probably not the best move to just not even close my eyes and just, just surgery. I don't want to know about anything. Yeah, but I get it. That's, I mean, that is what my mom, when she was pregnant with my brother, our old, the oldest, she went to her OB and was like, I want a C-section. I don't want to do this. I'm not interested in trying. Like, let's go ahead and schedule it. And he was like, uh, like we need to like, you need to try labor, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> then she, she tried labor and she was like so upset and uncomfortable. I mean, it was immediately he like soon after he was like, okay, yeah, you're, you know, your baby's trying to come, but your body's not letting you. All right, let's do the C-section. So it's like, right. I totally, I totally understand that because I grew up hearing about that. My mom was just so scared. She didn't. Yeah. And, and you know, there weren't a lot of, 
I mean, who do you talk to at that? But you don't go on the internet right. then. Like, right, yeah. but like, but yeah, I totally, I can, I feel like I can totally relate to that feeling of just like, no, this is, this seems really scary. And honestly, like, yeah. I can't even picture how that works. And I don't think I want to, I think I would rather you just do this for me. <laughs> just do it for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my thing was I didn't, I've learned now that birth requires and even pregnancy to a certain extent, depending on how your pregnancy is, it requires your participation. And I was not ready for that. And I even think then, because it was about 2015, when I found out I was pregnant, the information was not as accessible, I don't think as it is now, like I open my phone, I go on Instagram, and there's a million different people sharing different resources. And so it's really easy, I think easier now than it was then to find things like they put themselves into my lap. And I'm like, Oh, wow, I didn't know that. And then I'll dig further into things. And I just I didn't have that then. I mean, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I don't even think Instagram worked the same way back then. Yeah, no, I mean, so much has changed. I've seen it. I've seen it just, you know, totally change Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. It's, it's incredible. So thank goodness for the changes. But yeah, yeah, no, I totally understand where you're coming from. So with this second pregnancy, what what's the age difference? My oldest is six and my middle baby is almost 18 months. So she okay. was four. Yeah, she was four when my second was born. Okay. So yeah, so you had time to really kind of consider different options and things that you were interested in. And you knew at this point, like, all right, we we're not trying for another elective C-section. We're going to try something different. So how did that pregnancy go and what did you end up deciding on? So I started trying to conceive our second when my oldest was two. It took me two years to get pregnant. And I think that journey in itself taught me a lot before I even got pregnant. I was Mm -hmm. trying to figure out why I wasn't getting pregnant. What were the things that were causing me all these issues? I learned a year into that, that I had PCOS and I didn't know what that really was or what that meant or why, how that happened. And so I just learned a lot about my body leading up to, okay, I'm finally pregnant. <laughs> and by the time I was pregnant with her, because I, like you said, I had lots of time. I had two years to think about what's this going to be like? How are we going to do this? Um, and I had learned a lot about my body. So I knew I wanted to do it naturally by the time I was pregnant with her. I was kind of like on the fence, I guess, but I have been looking into the birth center that's attached to my local hospital. So I was like, I could just, you know, I'll have the same midwife. I knew I wanted to see a midwife and I knew I had a little bit of time, whether I wanted to do midwife in the hospital or in the birth center. And so I wasn't a hundred percent yet. I think by the time I went to my first appointment, I knew I wanted to do the birth center and I had said something. Now I also got pregnant in February of, um, 2020. And my first appointment was the day that our state shut down because of COVID. So (laughs) I think there was a little bit of confusion in that doctor's office at the time, because when I went in and told uh, the nurse practitioner that I was seeing that I wanted to have my baby in the birth center, she said, oh yeah, for sure. Your C-section was long enough ago. You're fine. That's, that'll be great. And so because of COVID, I hadn't gone to very many in-person appointments. I think I didn't even go to another one until I was like 20 weeks. 
And I thought I was having my baby at the birth center in the hospital. And when I went to probably like my third prenatal appointment, I had seen the same midwife for the last couple appointments. And um, she was started talking about epidural. Do you want that? You know, what's what was my birth plan? I think it was like 24 weeks. And I had told her that I was planning on the, I assumed it would have been in the notes. And so I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm having her in the birth center. And she was like, well, no, you're not. You have had a C-section before you can. And immediately, I think like everything kind of just, I couldn't even hear her anymore <laughs> because I was like, oh no, that is not, that is not the plan. Cause I had been prepping for a natural birth. I had been thinking I was having her in this birth center. It wasn't going to be hospital. Like, I mean, I, I was like right there with home birth. You know, I was, I wanted all the things that you get at home, but I didn't know how home birth worked or how home birth midwives were trained. So I was like, but this is safer in the Mm -hmm. birth center because it's right next to the hospital if something goes wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just, I like almost blacked out when she said that I stopped listening to her and she said, well, you know, we can make it kind of like that. But she like made this face like, an, I'm sorry. And I was like, Ugh. I already knew. I really right then and there already knew I was not having my baby in the hospital. And another big thing, not a deciding factor, but just kind of a cherry on top was the COVID regulations at the time were crazy. And yeah. I did not want to have to worry about that while I was attempting my first vaginal birth. I did not want to have to worry about testing and mask wearing. And at the hospital that I live closest to, they were separating moms and babies if they didn't have a COVID test back in time. And I'm like doing all this research. Okay. You can take the test 12 hours to get it back. What if I have my baby before 12 hours? What if I have my yeah. baby in eight hours or nine or 11? That's criminal. That is criminal that they did these things. I know. And I was, I heard the worst horror stories. I heard one story that I had told my husband of a family who they said, no, we're not going to, because it's a recommendation. You're not taking the baby. We're fine. We're good. She doesn't have COVID. And they contacted Child Protective Services. And I was yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So I had come home from that appointment and told my husband, well, birth center is off the table. Um, And then here's all this crazy COVID stuff. And he was like, well, why don't we just do it here? Because I had kind of like dropped little seeds of it before. And I was like, I I think that's what we're going to do. And I right then just started looking up home birth midwives in the area. And I reached out to a few. Um, I... And I see this sometimes too on Facebook. People will ask like, oh, I had a C-section. How can I find someone to take me? Just keep looking because mm-hmm. I did get turned down a few times that they said I can't do V-backs. If you've already had, if you've had one V-back, I could do like your second one, but mm-hmm. I can't do your first V-back. Um, and then I found my midwife and she came to our house and we talked with her and she walked out and my husband and I were both just like, yeah, she's it. She's it. So um, and I've spent like the last two years with her cause I had two babies back to back. Um, but yeah, it, it was after I made that switch because so much more of it was my responsibility. Now there wasn't a doctor's office or a doctor or even a hospital midwife that was kind of like handling it all. 
it was my responsibility. I mean, my midwife would hand me the stick to go pee on to see if I was dehydrated. And I was like, why don't I do this at the doctor's office? Why do I have to hand my urine cup to someone else and not know like what they're doing with it? I literally for the first time thought, I I don't even know what they did with that then. And now my midwife's showing me here, this is what this means. You need to drink some more water or you need to try eating more of this. And I learned so much from her, from my own research. I just learned so much and I felt so much more confident Mm. throughout that whole pregnancy. And I, I like feel bad saying this because I have three kids, but that was like my best pregnancy. I was so happy. I was, I just, I was like so excited to give birth. I Mm. was sick. Like I was with my first till like 24 weeks, but I would wake up and I'd spend the whole morning throwing up. And then I'd just like go make breakfast. And my husband was like, you're so happy for someone who throws up every day. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great. It was, it was by far my best pregnancy. It was easy other than my sickness. And it was like COVID summer. So there was like nothing to do. We just hung out at the lake every day and Oh we darn! Learned so much. I know, right? Oh, COVID. We have to sad. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I'm like, I miss those days of just yeah. no expectations. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was great. It was a really really great pregnancy. I learned so much. I felt so confident going into it until the very very end when I started mm. getting like stage fright and I was like mm. telling my husband what if I'm not as tough as I think I am mm. and I remember he said something that helped me a lot with my anxiety in those last couple of weeks tough isn't now tough is in the moment you can't do anything now other than what you're doing and preparing for it and you'll know what it's like when you know what it's like and I was just kind mm. of just like okay so I kept just thinking to myself, tough is in the moment. It's not now. Yeah. It's in the moment that it's actually happening. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is so, it's such a perfect way to even just to consider any anxiety. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. why, yeah. why do we worry about it before it happens? Because number one, it's very likely not going to happen the way that we expect it to. And mm-hmm. what good, <laughs> you know, what good does it do? And it's so much easier to say, obviously, than yeah. to to live that. But it's, I mean, it is the truth. That's so beautiful that he was able to put that in such, such easily, easy to understand terms, you know, tough is not right now. Tough is, tough is for later, Jordan. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. He's my voice of reason always. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, he helped me so much in the end. He has helped me so much. I mean, during my labors, he is, he's definitely my voice of reason. Mm, that's incredible. I love hearing just the way that this was so clearly, I mean, this was you really stepping into and owning your experience. Like what a massive shift this was for you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to hear. It's so obvious that you just had this incredible transformation through your through your entire journey, I guess, of preconception, conception, and then this pregnancy. I mean, you just blossomed. I feel, I really feel like I did. And I think it kind of like spilled over into so much more than just motherhood and birth. I think that I felt so much more confident just as a person, as a woman, I felt like 
I, I think just being able to take that responsibility for my prenatal care and my birth plan and everything, I think realizing that you don't have, I mean, it's your body and it's your baby and that you can make choices and you don't need to, I think there is so much, especially as a new mom that was like, well, I have to ask the pediatrician, like, is this okay? I remember thinking that so often with my oldest that, well, I'll ask the pediatrician if that's all right. Um, I'll ask if this weird thing is happening. And now I'm like, I don't, I mean, Google maybe, but (laughs) I don't run to a doctor. I mean, my kids have to be sick. And Mm -hmm. I came to that, you know, just through realizing that if you can do research, you can make choices. You don't need someone else to tell you whether your choices are appropriate or not, because everybody's different. And Mm -hmm. I think I, I never really had to defend my home birth choice to anyone. My family was super supportive from the beginning, but anyone that was, you hear a lot of, and I know you've heard it too. Oh, well, if I would have had my baby in the hospital or at home, I would have this or that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's obviously what their provider told them that may have not been the full picture. Um, And I always am just saying everybody's different. You know, Mm -hmm. that might've been your case and I don't, that obviously was not my case. So everyone's needs are different and I didn't have, I didn't have any special circumstances. I, my C-section was my choice, um, you know, unfortunately, but I didn't need it. I actually Mm -hmm. went into labor the night that she was born. And I think that was Uh, the universe's sign of like, Jordan, just do it. But it may, but, it sure did yeah. make for a massive transformation a little bit later, which is yeah, absolutely. unbelievable. Oh, that's, it's just so exciting to hear. I mean, like I could, I just feel it. It just feels so incredible. So <laughs> with all of that being said, tell me about that birth experience. So she was born at 39 weeks, just like her sister tried to come at 39 weeks before I had the time to have a C-section. And I was, I thought, I mean, I think just like anything, I was not ready for it to be. I had, I mean, I'd listened to your podcast. That was really my thing was every single day that I was in the car, I was listening to this podcast and listening to other people. So I had something in my head. I had expectations that it's going to start off mild and then it's going to get more intense. And then, you know, I just thought it was going to be this build until my baby was born. And I started at a hundred percent and it stayed like that the whole time. <laughs> and, Ooh, baby. So, and by, so I had, I did have like little baby ones from like 2 a.m., until probably like six. I think I texted my midwife at like six in the morning. My husband, you're not going to work. We're having a baby today. And then between six and eight was when it went to a hundred percent. And I, at like 11 was telling my husband, my midwife came, she checked me. She was like, you're really, really early still. So I'm going to run a couple errands in the area and I'll be right back. And she left and I start, I'm like, take me to the hospital. I like lost it. I freaked out because she left, I think was a huge piece of it. Like she was kind of my rock in that situation. Mm-hmm. My husband hadn't really like gotten his hands dirty in the like counter pressure and all of that yet. And he didn't know, and you know, with my second birth, he knew what positions are more comfortable for me. So he'd get me in those positions. Um, 
but I was laying down. I was laying on the couch and that was the most, that was pain. That was pain. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel pain any other time than that when I was laying down. Those were really, really rough. And that's when I was saying my mother-in-law and my husband are sitting on the floor next to me on the couch and I'm saying, pack me a backpack, go, Austin, go. And he's not moving. I'm like, go, go get it. I won't be disappointed. I promise. Just go pack my stuff. We're going. And they're going, we hear you, Jordan. We hear you. And I was like, no, you don't because you're not moving. So go. Like, go pack my stuff. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this all day. And if it's going to get more intense than this, I can't. And so he texted, my husband texted my midwife and was like, she's losing it. And she's like, all right, I'll be right back. And she said, I remember her saying, it's not that simple, Jordan. And I was like, she's right. You know, I knew that it's not just you go, she said, it's not as simple as going to the hospital and having your baby. And that reminded me, there's a lot of reasons why I wanted to have my baby at home and not in the hospital. And it wasn't just pain medication. It was all of the things I'm going to have to tell them, don't do this, don't do that. And no, I want to sit up. I don't want to be laying down or I didn't want to have to advocate for myself while I was doing something that should be like a joyful moment. I didn't want to have to be fighting. So I listened to her. She was like, go upstairs, get in the bath and see if that, and I really think she just wanted me to calm down. So I went upstairs and got in a warm bath and my husband, that's when he really started getting in there with the counter pressure. Cause I have had back labor with all of them. And, um, he, I remember it was this, it was a moment I leaned forward cause like I had to with every contraction and he was pushing on my back and it was a very awkward position for him. And I remember when I leaned forward, I was like, he's going to miss this one. And I'm going to have to ride this one without that counter pressure, but he didn't. And it was, he got it and that helped so much. And I, in that moment was like, okay, I can do this. If he can do that, if he can do that the whole time, then I can do this. And if I have him doing that, then this won't be that bad. And it never got more intense than that. So I think also once I had been through a few more hours of seeing that I was kind of at the peak of how intense it was going to be. I was like, okay, if it's not getting any crazier than this, then I can keep doing this. And it didn't. And it was really a very uneventful labor. Like I just kind of went back and forth from my ball to the toilet, back down to the ball. Um, the stairs seemed to be really helpful for me because every time I walked up the stairs, I'd start having contractions <laughs> and then I got in the pool a little earlier than I think I needed to. Um, and my pushing stage with her was long. It was two hours. And I, at one point had said to my midwife, is this okay? And she was like, is what okay? I was like, how long can I do this? How long do people do this? And she said, some people do it for 20 minutes some people do it for hours. And she was like, you're good. You know, she was just reassuring me. You're good. I, how many times that she had to tell me you're making progress, you're making progress. Mm -hmm. Because since I had this expectation that it was going to start mild and then like gradually increase in intensity because it just started so intense and didn't change. I thought I was stuck at a certain place. I didn't realize that I was still progressing, even though it didn't feel more intense. Right. So she kept reassuring me that. And I kept wanting her to check me as much as I was like, I'm going to avoid cervical checks. I was like, check me, please tell me, tell me I'm progressing. 
And she did. And then towards the end, she was like, I'm not going to check you again because there's no point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, okay, fair enough. And that even made me feel better because I thought, well, if she thinks there's no point, then she knows that things are moving Mm -hmm. and she knows better than me because she's seen this a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. So, um, got in the pool, got out of the pool because she did check me for the last time in the pool and was like, you have a little bit of, um, she didn't say a lip, but she said, it's a little bit swollen. So let's get you out and kind of see if that'll go down. She gave me like a homeopathic to help with the swelling. And she said, let's just have you like sit on the ball and do the toilet again for a little bit and then come back down and get in the pool. And then after I got in the pool the second time, I think it was like maybe an hour after that, that she was born. Mm -hmm. And I really, really, really wanted to catch her. (laughs) And when it came time, I was actually really grateful because my husband set up his phone at the very end and had it pointed at the pool. And we never discussed that. That wasn't really, we didn't really talk about pictures or video, but I'm so glad that he did because I look back at it all the time because it's so cool to compare that one to my most recent one. Um, just everything about it was so different how I was, but yeah, the, she's on her way out. And my midwife was like, Jordan, do you want to catch your baby? And I was like, I don't think I can. And so Mm -hmm. my husband knew how much I wanted to. So he was like, no, no, you want to, you want to, it's like, I can't. So Mm -hmm. he did. And it was, I think that was, it worked out for the best. I kind of think that was fate because he loved that, that he got to Mm -hmm. be the first person to touch her. And she was kind of in the in-between for a little bit longer um, than I think we were all expecting. So her head was just out in his hand for a couple more contractions. Mm -hmm. And um, she was just like not coming out the rest of the way. And so my midwife just tapped my leg and was like, let's get this leg up. And as soon as I got my leg up, then she was out. Mm. Wow. That is incredible. That is uh, and I totally understand that that feeling. I remember with my first, I wanted my husband to catch, but I was like holding on to his arms so oh, tight yeah. at the end that my midwife was like, okay, Thomas, like if you want to catch, like you need to come back here. And he was like, uh, <laughs> like you like, You're like, like no. Not <laughs> You're staying. <laughs> like, nothing uh, yeah, will change. My, if it was him, he wasn't going anywhere, but I had my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is an angel. I mean, I, my mom has passed away. She was still with us when I had, um, my second, but Mm -hmm. she's been, she's been sick my whole entire life. She was in an assisted living, uh, community for the last few years of her life. And because of COVID there was no her, you know, being around and yeah. So since I, I mean, I've been with my husband since I was 17 and my mother-in-law has been basically for all intents and purposes, she's been my mom too. So having her there was, I mean, after it was all said and done, I would, we just kept saying to each other so much as we were processing the birth and talking about it with each other, like how thankful we were that she was there, like how it would have been so he was like, I was so glad I had her too, like for him just to have someone Mm -hmm. to lean on. And 
it was the craziest thing too. We had just bought a car, um, but the car had a little issue with it. So they were fixing it and they were going to bring it to us. We were like, well, we're having a baby in like a couple weeks. So you got to get it fixed quick because we might not be able to come and get it. And they assured us they'd bring it to us. Well, of course, it happened to be the day that I was having my daughter. <laughs> so obviously, they're bringing this car and I'm just in total labor land. Like I was not, I was gone during that labor. I wasn't there. I had no idea anything. My eyes were closed probably 99% of the time. I didn't look up. So I had come up to go to move back up to the toilet. And my husband's like, your car is here. And I just remember I go, I just waved them away because I was like, I don't care. <laughs> but um, she handled that all. Like she, mm. you know, if she hadn't been there, that would have been probably, I mean, that would have been a while of me not having my husband right there or my midwife dealing with it or her assistant or somebody. But okay. my mother-in-law did all of that. And, um, you know, she was like filling up water bottles. She was like wiping my face off. She, she was the one holding my hands when I pushed my daughter out. And I remember... Mm her saying there was two things that she said that I will never forget. They were ingrained into me because in that moment, you know, you forget so much and you're not a hundred percent there always. And she said, when I said I wanted Austin to catch, um, she was like, he's got her and I've got you. And she grabbed my hands and I was like, okay, that we can do this. And then right as it was probably like the last two pushes, um, she was like, you got this, Jordan. This is your moment. And I was like, this is my moment. And I couldn't I couldn't think of a better thing to be said to me at that time because it really did give me that extra, like, confidence in myself to just give it my all and, and stay composed at least as much as I could for that birth. And, yeah, it was such a blessing to have her there. Mm. Gosh, that is beautiful. That is so amazing to hear. I love it. I love it when there gets to be that that sense of family that you can bring someone in that you do trust and you know is going to be there for you and support you like that, who is your own family. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it was very, yeah, we're very lucky. She's a special, oh. special lady. I am really excited to hear how that, because that wasn't that long ago. What when What month was that? My daughter was born October of 2020. October 2020. Okay. So so we've got October 2020. And then when did you get pregnant with your most recent babe? I found out I was pregnant with my son on, it was two days before Mother's Day of 2021. So Perfect. my daughter was like six months old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <that was> so, <laughs> so it was kind of crazy, but we were, I mean... We were excited, but I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> like, so this is a thing was, we're doing? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I I called my husband and I was crying because I was, my thing at the moment was, I knew I wanted three. I mean, I, I want even more than three. It wasn't, it wasn't another baby. It was, I was very concerned about, has my body had enough time to even recover from this last one? Mm-hmm. And I was concerned about how it affect breastfeeding because I was breastfeeding my daughter. And um, yeah, so I called him. He was at work and I was crying because I was just in like panic mode. And he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, oh, okay. 
okay, I'm coming. And he came home and he brought me flowers and coffee and he was all excited. And I was like, I am excited too, but like, what the heck? But <laughs> now what? I'm like, I'm holding a baby right now. <laughs> like, I can't believe this. And yeah, it was, I never, I mean, it took me two years to get pregnant with my second. So mm -hmm. just to accidentally get pregnant so fast was not, I almost just, it didn't seem like an option to me. I wasn't really right. thinking that. And yeah. And breastfeeding. And, you know, everyone says that, like, can you get pregnant while breastfeeding? Like, yes, you can. You but... can. <laughs> can you get pregnant with while breastfeeding and with PCOS? Yes, you can. Yep. <laughs> Check. Yep. yep, absolutely. So I've done that. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I was, I, like I said, mostly worried about was my body like back to homeostasis and ready to take this on. Um, but and I was also very nervous because I do get really sick. I typically, with my first two, I'm throwing up every day to like 24 weeks. And that's mm. just something that I, by the time I had my second, I was like, okay, that's my life. It's, I'm going to have babies. I'm going to throw up for half of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I was very nervous about that with, you know, my, at the time, five-year-old and a baby. How am I going to handle being that sick? Because when I was sick with my daughter, my second daughter, my husband was home uh, because of COVID. So mm -hmm. I was able to be sick and just have him hang out with our oldest. And so, yeah, I was very nervous about that. And thankfully, and I don't know if it, I've heard people say that they're sick with their girls and not with their boys. And I really, I was nauseous, but I didn't throw up like I did with the girls. Wow. So that was a huge bonus because I did not have to deal with that. Yeah, that is, that's a huge, I mean, being able to, when you experience the two different types of pregnancy, I was definitely super sick with my first and not mm. as sick with my second. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is just so much easier when you're not vomiting every morning, like, yeah, every like afternoon too. Right? <laughs> such know. a dream. I mean, it's a dream. <laughs> Yeah, my first, it was really bad. I had lost mm -hmm. a lot of weight from it. And I I attribute that a little bit to my weight situation with my first doctor that she was looking at me being 100 pounds because I had lost a lot of weight at the beginning, but that wasn't my true weight. I had lost a bunch right. of my actual weight and then gained from there. But yeah, I mean, that oh, was- Oh, yeah, that's really not fair. I know. <laughs> that's very like, unfair. Back from the starting line. <laughs> Yeah, but that that one was rough. That one I couldn't. I was working at the time and I could not work. I mean, I mm -hmm. couldn't even drive. I could not tolerate car rides. I was yep. home just throwing up, and it made me depressed because I was just sitting at home throwing up all the time, and I was very scared about that with my second. And I was just as sick, but it was usually, um, it was usually like once I got it out in the morning wow. and I ate breakfast, I was okay for the rest of the day. For mm -hmm. the most part, I would get sick at night a little bit before bed, but I wasn't throwing up and that. I was just also so happy to be pregnant after two years of trying. I was like, I'll take it. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do the throwing mm -hmm. up. I was just so excited to have another baby. So that mm. was a mindset thing helped there. But yeah, not having Definitely. it very much at all with my son made it easier. And I don't know if that was just like God's design that yeah. I get this baby that I don't throw up because I have two other kids. You um, she can't handle it. We are not yeah, going to give her that. She's not enough. <laughs> she's tapped out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that was, um, 
that was a plus. And mm-hmm. I thought that I think too, with my third pregnancy, um, I had had such a lovely time with my middle child. Um, I loved that pregnancy. I was like, I remember crying. I mean, baby blues, obviously, but I was crying because I was like, I don't didn't want to be done being pregnant. I really like this. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to do it again. And I was like, I kind of want to do it again, like soon. And I was just very emotional mm-hmm. about not being pregnant anymore. I really, really loved being pregnant with her. So I had this expectation that it was going to be like that the third time that I was going to have mm-hmm. this joyful, wonderful, easy pregnancy. And I was going to have my bump in the sun all summer again. And it was just going to be just like it was last time. And how cool will that be? And that is not how it went down. So mm-hmm. I had, um, I had a lot of work to do on my mindset with that. I was very stressed out. (laughs) I had loaded up my plate so much. I had gotten a new job. I was going to school full time. Um, I had gotten a puppy because that's a really good idea to do when you're like seven months pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I just had a lot on my plate. I had two kids. I had my one, uh, my oldest was in school now because, you know, COVID was not a thing anymore. So she was back in school and I just was running all over the place. And I don't know if I was just like really depleted. Maybe it did have something to do with just having had a baby, but I started having these insane headaches and I think headache isn't even the right word. I had one event where I was having like stroke-like symptoms where I couldn't find the words for things. I was having these visual disturbances. Um, My hand was like not working. It was truly alarming. I, and that began kind of this really rocky, it wasn't really, I guess it was like third trimester was when it started. Um, And that, the last portion of my pregnancy was not, it made me so sad because I was not enjoying it. And I kept saying Mm -hmm. to my husband, like, I'm supposed to love this. And he was like, you're no, you don't have to, you're miserable. You don't have to love that. And doesn't mean you don't love having babies. And it doesn't mean you don't love your baby, but you cannot like this. That's okay. And I really had to work on that. I talked with my therapist about it because it made me so sad that I wasn't getting to enjoy it. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, what if this is my last baby and I'm not enjoying this part of it? And then I go into birth having been so just like miserable. And my therapist at the time, she said something that stuck with me also that your birth and your pregnancy are two separate things. So Mm -hmm. you can have a rough pregnancy and an amazing birth. So just keep that in mind. And so I, that helped me a lot. And then she also said, you need to feel it to heal it because I was so upset, but I was kind of like burying that and was like, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's just headaches. And I, once I really got honest with myself and was like, this is not fun um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not enjoying it, it kind of released a lot where I could start to like process that and move on from it. Um, And at one point, because the headaches were so, I mean... I was in my room on the floor, just, I mean, I was losing it. My husband was like, I've seen you have a baby and I've seen you have those headaches and the headaches are a million times worse because I've never seen you in that much pain before. And I was, I mean, yeah, it was, it was so, it was scary. It really freaked me out. And I read, I was trying to figure out what it was and I'd read about 
cluster headaches and it seemed the most like it, but, but not quite. And it talked about how these cluster headaches come in, like people will go into remission from them. So they'll have them for like weeks or months and then they won't have them for even maybe years. And I was like, I cannot do weeks or months of this. Mm-hmm. And I had had uh, medical professionals in our family say, like, maybe you should check and make sure you don't have something going on in your brain because it was so bad. Um, and I did. I went in one day when it was really bad to the emergency room, which if you know me, you know that takes a lot to do because yeah. I, I don't. I do not go to the hospital <laughs> unless something is broken or needs stitches or I just I don't. Um not for me anyways, you know, I'm, I'm fine. And I went in there and it was certainly a mistake, but I did learn something while I was there that my baby was breech. So then I was like, Oh, another curveball. <laughs> and, um, my experience in the hospital definitely like reconfirmed why I plan to have my baby at home because since I was past 20 weeks, they set me up to labor and delivery when I went into the emergency room. They wouldn't even talk to me in the emergency room. And then once I got to the emergency room, they wouldn't even address my headaches. They were just obsessing over the baby. And then because they found out I was having a home birth, that was like the main focus. So I completely had nothing addressed with why I went in and they just were on me about, you need to get prenatal care. You really, We really strongly recommend you get prenatal care said I have prenatal care and she comes to my house once a week so it's pretty good prenatal care actually but thanks <laughs> and yeah we got I mean we spent I think eight hours there and the whole time we just kept telling them that uh, neurologist because I did a televisit with a neurologist and he said I recommend you just go get an MRI just go into the ER tell them you need an MRI and they should be able to do that. And because um, he had said, you know, you might want to know if you do have something going on before you give birth. So we kept telling them that we are not interested in anything to do with the baby. The baby is perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Um, no, I don't want another ultrasound. No, I don't want to do this monitoring. And they ended up bullying me into doing a lot of things there that I didn't want to do just because they were like, well, if you do these things, then you'll be able to talk to a neurologist faster. And so I learned about myself there that it's good that I don't have my babies in the hospital because I, for as strong-willed of a person as I am, I had a hard time speaking up for myself. And so my husband would kind of be like, is that what you want? And I was like, Mm -hmm. actually, no, I don't want that. You know, so he kind of Mm -hmm. like would open the door for me to be able to speak up for myself Mm because they do assume the sale there. I mean, they're like, okay, so we're going to give you this and that. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of was... I didn't really know how to respond. And that's my husband's like, I don't know if she wants that. Jordan, do you want that? No, I don't want that. Okay. I'll go tell the doctor. You know, they don't ask. They just tell you. Yeah. So we wasted a lot of time in there, but I did find out that he was breech and you know, they And how far along were you at this point? 30 weeks. Okay. Um, and so I told my midwife and the headache thing just never, it just, I just had to ride it out for the rest of the time. Um, which was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And it made it so that I did not enjoy the end of my pregnancy because I really was like either agonizing or trying to rest because it would keep me up at night. Um, 
And I felt really bad because I also felt like I was missing out on my kids that I had at the time. Like we went Mm -hmm. to go trick or treating and I could barely tolerate it. We were Mm -hmm. trying to just trying to be their mom. I was like, I just want to be their mom again and in bed all the time. So it was difficult, but I kept trying to remember that. Like, I just, I didn't want it to ruin birth for me. I had a big Mm -hmm. fear that I might have one while I was in labor. So I really tried to not go down the spiral of like everything's ruined by these headaches. Um, And then I had told my midwife about him being breached and she kind of felt my belly and was like, oh yeah, yeah, he is. And so then that began, we'll just kind of wait. And then as it gets closer, we'll talk about, are we having a breech birth or what? And she had asked me that, like, are you down for that? And I said, yeah, I mean, going to the hospital is not it because I know I'll certainly not be having a vaginal birth with a breech baby in the hospital. So mm-hmm. we're doing this. If he wants to come out butt first, that's what we're doing. And she <laughs> also, was I was like, just there and they're kind of the worst. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, exactly. So they, it was kind of like perfect because yeah, it was this, Hey, here's the hospital here. <laughs> remember them and I was like yeah no I I was so it's crazy how once you do it too at home and you you know it had been so long since I'd had my oldest and then you see the process I'm watching all of these moms get wheeled out of the OR or out of like the actual delivery units into their recovery rooms and my first thought, I lean over to my husband. I was like, they're so clothed. Like everybody's so wrapped up. The baby's all wrapped up with the hat on and like wrapped in blankets. And the mom is like in her gown and all wrapped up. And I remember that, like I was mm-hmm. in that same bed being wheeled. And I was just like, wow, so many clothes, so <laughs> much covering them. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's such a skin great skin. <laughs> wow. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just weird to see. And I was like, it was just definitely a reminder of why it's so nice. You know, I know that there are situations where you need, you need extra help. I know that I don't, I definitely know that sometimes it's just not possible, but I also know that most of the time it is. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just seeing that it kind of made me sad. And then I was like, yeah, so definitely want to avoid this at all costs. (laughs) And talked about breech birth with my midwife a lot. My husband was nervous because his thing was, why is it always a C-section when you do it in the hospital? He wanted to know what's, what's wrong with that. And then digging into the research, I, we had found out that it's just because, mainly because they stopped training for it. And I think mm-hmm. it was like in the 80s, they stopped training uh, for breech births in the hospital. So they just don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to have a breech birth in the hospital with somebody who didn't know how to handle it. My midwife knew how to handle it. So I felt very confident that, and she walked me through, this is what we will do. You know, it's kind of like a hands-off thing. She said, I'm going to want you to not like push as much and kind of just let your body do its thing. And we discussed it and we had, you know, I had watched, um, a lot of neonatal resuscitation videos so that I could kind of like get myself familiar with that. So I didn't, my first time seeing it was not if it was on one of my children. Um, right. I familiarized my husband with it. I was very prepared to do it at home. And that was, that was probably when I had some people, some family members start saying like, maybe you shouldn't do that. Mm. Um, more so just a couple of people that were like, 
is she still doing that at home then? Because they mm-hmm. automatically think just because that's what we're all told that that's not safe. Um, so yeah, I mean, headaches and breech baby and a lot of anxiety. And I just, I was just like trying to hang in there to end, honestly. And um, my midwife had made some suggestions for like diet changes. And once I did those things, and I don't know if it was coincidence or if it really was those things, the headaches stopped. The debilitating oh, wow. ones. I would have some like, you know, regular just headache headaches. Um, and I had some visual disturbances still, but the screaming on my bedroom floor at two in the morning stopped. And I will never not eat meat again <laughs> because incorporating like I started taking beef liver capsules. Um, I started eating 100% grass-fed beef, mm. and I started putting like the egg yolk in my coffee in the morning, and it stopped. And wow, like I, said, I, I, can't, I don't know if it was coincidence because it seems so simple to put something mm. so debilitating to a stop, but it stopped. It was crazy, and I felt so much better for that last, mm-hmm. probably like the last four weeks of my pregnancy, which was like, that's all I really needed just to be able to kind of get in the zone and be ready to give birth. Wow. That is huge, Jordan. Like that is so crazy to hear. And I mean, I totally, I totally believe that just thinking about the micronutrients that you're getting when you do incorporate those things that, yeah, it's so simple, but like, really, I mean, it gives you so many micronutrients that and especially since you did have two babies back to back, your body probably was just like, I need minerals. Like yeah. I need that's that's really wow. That's I'm so glad to hear that that was such a massive impact on the end of your pregnancy. Yeah, it really did. I mean, like I said, I, I will never go back to because I didn't really like I'm not I never ate like a intentionally plant-based diet, but I was like, Ooh, dairy's not good for you. And red meat's not good for you. And so I, I wasn't super, um, strict about my diet, but I just, Mm -hmm. I thought those things were like not good for you. So I really didn't eat a lot of them. Anything that I had in the house that had dairy in it was dairy free. So like dairy free butter and it's all, and I, you know, another experience, another pregnancy of learning, I learned more that these things that I thought were good replacements for something that was unhealthy, are just full of junk. I mean, they're just all synthetic junk. And so switching to yeah, 100% grass-fed, anything that I could was 100% grass-fed and um, the beef liver capsules and the egg yolk in my coffee, that was one of the first things I did because since I was just feeling so terrible, it was really easy to just throw that in to my coffee mm-hmm. in the morning. And yeah, I noticed an immediate difference and I just, I'll never, I'll never go back. And I do feel that I was, it was one of the first things that I was nervous about when I found out I was pregnant for the third time. And maybe that was an intuitive fear that I was a little bit depleted and Mm -hmm. I did need more than I needed when I was pregnant with my second after four years of not being pregnant. So yeah, that I, I would recommend that to anyone who is struggling with definitely headaches you know that was Mm -hmm. it was crazy the the only person who could truly appreciate how insane it was was my husband because he watched me going through these like episodes I would call them and 
it was insane. And then when I changed my diet, I mean, he saw how insane it was. He was like, wow, that's crazy. That just those simple changes. And I was like, I mean, pretty much back to normal. It felt like I had just like woken up. Like I had been in this for months and then I just woke up. Oh, praise God for your midwife. (laughs) So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the headaches or, I mean, at least the crazy episode headaches are behind you. Mm -hmm. Birth is coming up. What position is your baby in and what was that birth like? He was breech until 39 weeks and four days. All right. And wow. (laughs) Yeah. He was, I am fairly positive. I know exactly when he turned, I was driving and my belly was just going this. I mean, it was not round. It was like this crazy shape and I could like feel the, I mean, you know, those movements of like, when you feel a whole limb, like go across your belly, I could, he was not a super active baby. So that was very unusual to even feel those. And this was like, I'm driving, I'm trying to look at the road and I'm also looking down at my belly, like what is going on? And my midwife came the next day and she was like feeling, and she's like, this is, this is a butt. And it's like up top. She's like, this is his butt. I was like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Because I, I was ready to have a breech birth. I was, I was okay. Mm -hmm. I'd come to terms with that. I had learned a ton, but I had, what I kept saying to my husband was, I feel like that is just like my VBAC was a completely new thing. I felt like a breech birth was going to be a completely new thing. And I thought Mm -hmm. it would be nice to have him be head down because then I feel like I can kind of relax a little and not have to think about it, you know, and just be Mm -hmm. like, I've done this before. Um, So once I found out, yeah, once he was head down, I was pretty excited because I felt like I could chill, you know, everything, nothing Mm -hmm. was chill for the last few months. And I was like, okay, this is like, 39 weeks, four days, just whenever you're ready, buddy. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. we waited and we waited and we waited and he, my due date came and went and that had never happened to me before. Um, and now in looking back at it, because I got pregnant while I was breastfeeding, I don't know when my period was. So the due date that I had, um, I'd been given one by the OB that I, I went in to just get a, an early scan, like a dating scan. And they told me January 1st. And then my midwife had said um, December 15th. So because mm-hmm. I knew that I wasn't 100% sure when I conceived, anytime someone asked me, when's he due? How far along are you? I said, he's going to come sometime in December, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and I once I started getting closer to my due date, um, I just was kind of like, it's just going to be sometime around the holidays. Um, and I tried to, and I think I did a pretty good job. I really was not, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't like itching to get him out. Um, I was obviously like, you know, tired and heavy and ready, but I wasn't with my second, I was like, I want to meet her. I just want to meet her so Mm -hmm. bad. I was so anxious to meet her. It wasn't even the, I'm so uncomfortable, I'm so done, I just want to have this baby. It was just that I had waited two years to conceive her. She was like a part of our family, I felt like, already, you know? So I was just so excited to meet her, and I just wanted to meet her, and I wanted to experience birth. I had never done that before. So, and then with this guy, I was just kind of 
right, he's going to come when he's going to come. And then the very last week, I had prodromal labor, like on and off and on and off. And that was when I started losing it because I would wake up and be like, okay, Austin, get up. Where This is it. And then it would stop like three hours later. And it wasn't, you know, it's not Braxton Hicks. I, I know the difference now. So mm-hmm. I would be like breathing through contractions and my daughter's sleeping in our bed, like, mom, shh, I'm sleeping. And <laughs> I'm thinking like, I'm having a baby, little girl, okay? Excuse <laughs> <Just> me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it would, it would stop. And that drove me nuts because every time I was like getting into birth mode, I was like, okay, you know, we got to call our in-laws and like have them come get the girls. And I'm like planning, you know, my mom brain turns on and planning for my other kids. And I'm thinking of what's coming up this next day. Okay. We have school, you know, I'm thinking all of those things and, and then it would just stop. So that Mm -hmm. was very, that was tough. And, you know, obviously not getting any sleep with that happening. So I was tired and I was just like, I felt like I was like this, like on edge, like just like waiting for it to actually kick into gear all the way. (laughs) So, um, at, I think it it was the 22nd I had had, I had been having it all night and when it would stop was usually like right as I got up to get my daughter ready for school. So when it didn't stop. Um, this was now she's on Christmas break at this point and it was like nine in the morning and we all had plans to go see Santa that day. Our whole family, my husband is one of seven. So he has a very big family and like my sister-in-law, who's also my best friend, she has her son who is my daughter's best friend. And so we were all going to go, um, with his sisters who all have kids and it's a big, it's a big deal. We do this every year. We all Mm -hmm. go see Santa together at this like little cabin where Santa gets to spend like an hour with the kids and it's very cool so Mm -hmm. I was like I it's okay if he wants to stay in a little longer because I want to go see Santa well this was Santa day and it was nine o'clock and I was still I'm like I'm sitting on my ball and breathing through them they were like you know early ones but I was really thinking like this is the day so I text our family and just said I don't think I'm making it to Santa can someone come and get the girls and um they were going at two o'clock. So my, one of my sisters-in-law who works near our house, she came and picked up my girls, I think at like noon. And after she left, everything stopped. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so I could have went to see Santa. <laughs> and I was super frustrated because that one was the longest, you know, nor it had been for the last week, just at night. And this was, had gone into the morning and then part of the early, you know, like up until noon. So I texted my midwife and just let her know what was going on and said, I am so frustrated that things will not just get going. And she said, um, things will pick back up soon. Like, don't stress. This is just really good warm up. And as always, you know, her texting me stuff like that, just put me at ease. And I was like, okay, so I'm having a baby like soon, you know, that was mm-hmm. all I needed to know was it's going to be within the next day or so. So uh, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law this time, the one of my husband's six sisters, who I am the closest with, um, McKenna, she came and her mom and they, because they were going to both be there this time. My first home birth, I didn't really want like an audience. My -hmm. second one, I was like, come on, everybody. Like (laughs) I wasn't really shy about it anymore. 
so since my sister-in-law was also pregnant at the time and planning her first home birth, I was like, she should come and she should be here. That'd be cool to have her here. So they came after the Santa deal, um, to just check and see if anything had picked back up. And we sat and we talked for a little while and I had like two contractions for in like the hour that they were there. So they left and they just said, you know, give us a call when it picks back up, we'll have our phones on us and we'll come right back. And right after they walked out the door, things started back up. <laughs> Your body is funny. I know. I know. Your body's got jokes. Yep. It does like to play tricks on me. So they left and they were like 10 minutes apart and they were pretty like easy. So we just put on a movie and we're just kind of timing them through the movie. Nothing really changed about them. So we went to bed at like 1030 and then at 12.30, I got up and was like, I can't lay in bed. I don't know if that's just me or if that's everyone, but I cannot lay down during my contractions. A lot of it's, people. Yeah, it's the worst. So I'm mm-hmm. up and I'm just kind of like sitting on my ball in my room, seeing what's happening and then got in the shower to have like the warm water on my lower back. And then at that point, I called my husband downstairs and was like, go blow up the pool. This is, we're doing this tonight. We're, we better be because if this fakes me out it. again, <laughs> but it felt, it did feel like it was more, it was increasing. Like they were getting closer together. And then this happened to me with my, my daughter too, my middle baby, that my contractions go to a minute long, five minutes apart, like right away. So I had texted my midwife and just said, you know, five minutes apart, one minute long. And she didn't answer. So then my husband called her once I started to be like vocal through them. Mm-hmm. And she came over. It was by the time she got there, I think it was like two thirty, and still there were like five, four minutes apart. And they really, they just like stay like that the whole time. That's how it was with him. That's how it was with my daughter. Um, but it makes it, kind of confusing when you're trying to tell people to come because they think five minutes apart, like, okay, I'm, I'm on my way. And my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law came, my photographer came, my midwife, her assistant by three 30 in the morning, everybody was there. And I had been just kind of like chilling on my ball with my husband since like midnight. And Mm -hmm. it was like this little slumber party in my living room because everybody was just like laying down on the floor with their blankets and with pillows, just chilling while I was just riding the waves. And I went back and forth from my ball to the toilet. And at a certain point, my midwife goes, you sound so strong. You sound great, Jordan. And I was like, I do. Because I didn't cope well with my second. Mm -hmm. I was so uncertain. I was so, is this right? Is this supposed to feel like this? How long can I be like this? I was so, I didn't feel in control. And I felt Mm -hmm. so not there. You know, I would like hear them kind of like whispering, but I didn't hear what others were saying. My husband said, you had your eyes closed so much that when you, on the rare occasion that you opened them, it was like almost alarming because you would just like open them and look in my eyes. (laughs) And other than that, I was just eyes closed. And I said so much, oh God, oh God, the whole time I was very much like I wasn't in control. And then with this one, I just felt like I was just chilling for so Mm -hmm. much of it. And when my midwife said that, I was like, I am doing pretty good. And I 
I mean, it was a long labor. I had him at everything started what like 10 o'clock at night on the 22nd. And then he was born at 409 on the 23rd. So PM? I had been, yeah. Mm-hmm. PM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had been working for a while and I never really felt like, is this okay? I never felt doubt. Am I making progress? I felt, I said a few times, I'm getting worn out. My midwife came and sat Mm -hmm. down with me. I think it was like, I don't know what time it was when she said that. It was, had already been morning. It might've been like early afternoon that she said this to me. Um, She was like, how are you, how are you doing? I was like, I'm starting to get worn out. I just felt tired. And she was like, yeah, I can see that because every time you um, have, spaced out contractions and you fall asleep, your next contraction will be a lot stronger. I can hear it. Mm. And she said, I think that your body needs some rest. You've been doing this for a while. And she suggested that I go get up in my bed and lay down, which immediately I was like, no, thank you. That sounds terrible. (laughs) And, um, she said, I think that, and I said that I don't really want to lay down. It's the worst. And she was like, I get it. But I think if you get some rest, And then you come back down and get on the ball on the toilet. Then I think that you might see a little more progress being made. So we did that. And that was at like 1, 1 1.30. I remember Mm. looking at the clock in my room when I got into bed. And she set me up with the peanut ball. And she would, her and my husband would get me set up on one side. And then once I had a contraction, they, one of them would like give me hip squeezes while I was or like pushed on my hip while I was on my side and then they'd help me roll to the other side. And it was such a process because I had to pee during at the, at the end of every contraction. So I would have one, they push on my hip, I'd get up, I'd go downstairs, I'd pee, I'd come back up, get back in bed on the other side. And I did that for like an hour and a half. And then when I got up, I was like, how long did I sleep for? And they said, you got a good hour in. And my midwife was like, yeah, you were snoring. So I think you got some good rest. (laughs) And (laughs) she checked me at that point. And I was six after being at five for like a long time. So at this point, I was like, that was not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) I know logically, and like my husband reminded me too, the number obviously changes so fast. Um, but hearing six, when I had been, you know, it's three o'clock, I had started early labor at 10 the night before. I was like, oh my gosh, like after all of that, really? Okay. And I go downstairs and I get back on the toilet and she said, you're like almost completely effaced though. So my mother-in-law came mm-hmm. in to kind of like give me a little boost, um, because, I think they all just knew I was getting tired and it was long. It was a long day for everybody. They had all been there since two o'clock in the morning. So she was like, well, the fact that you might not have dilated much more, but if you are almost completely effaced, then that means there is something happening. And I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know, I know. And my husband said that too. Like, you know, this number can change so fast. You know that you tell me this stuff all the time. So I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm just like, trying to keep that in mind and just like let things play out how they're going to play out. And then my water broke and I got Mm -hmm. so excited. (laughs) I was like, yes. 
and I'm like, Austin, Austin, my water just broke. Look, that's my water, right? Okay, yes, yes, that's Vernix in the toilet, yes. I was like, okay, get ready for lots of counter pressure because my contractions are about to get real. And he was like, all right, I'm not going anywhere. My midwife had just left. She brought me downstairs and she was like, I'm gonna go to this Thai place. It's like right up the road. I'm just gonna grab something to eat and I'll be right back. And I had had something to eat. I was sitting in the bathroom eating soup that my sister-in-law brought me. And my midwife had given me this pep talk right before my little nap um, where she was like, I don't remember everything that she said, but the one thing that stuck out to me the most, she said, um, you know, you having two babies like so close together, a lot of moms will expect it to be the same as their last one because you just did this last year. But that is not his story. He is going to come in a completely unique way and you just need to set your expectations aside. And so that mm -hmm. I kept thinking of um, during those, like right before my water broke, she left literally within minutes, my water broke and I got all excited and we were in the bathroom for, I don't know how long. I think my water broke at, I must've come down from that nap at like 2.30. My water probably broke at like 3, 3.30, 3 o'clock. Um, we stayed in the bathroom for a minute and then my midwife got back because my husband texted her that my water had just broken and she came back and was like, why don't we move closer to the pool? And since I had gotten into the pool a little too early last time, I said, are you sure it's not too early? And I love her. She goes, I don't know. Because <laughs> she does leave so much up to just like how I'm feeling. So mm -hmm. I was like, she's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, maybe I can just go sit on my ball down there. So I went back down to where the pool was and I sat on the ball and right away started getting pushy. And she goes, all right, that one sounded really grunty. So why don't you go ahead and get in the water? And it was amazing to me how fast he made his appearance compared to my daughter who mm -hmm. I was just pushing and pushing and pushing and she was you know she was taking her sweet time and with him it was like I got in the water I pushed once I felt that burny sensation and was like I went to check and see if I could feel his head at all and felt nothing had another contraction and then checked and he's crowning so I went from like mm. not even feeling his head up there at all to, all right, he's here. And then uh -huh. um, she asked me, are you, who's catching? Is Austin going to catch again? And again, this was such a big thing for me. I really wanted to catch one of my babies. Like I wanted to be the first to touch them. And so Austin was like, nope, Jordan's doing it this time. No negotiations. Because I told him that. I was like, if I start saying I can't do it, you tell me you're doing this. Like you tell me mm -hmm. I can do it. And so I was like, yep, there was no, there was no need to talk me into it because I had just, I had been, I don't know. I was just in a totally different mindset. It was so much, I was mm -hmm. so much more present. I was like talking to them while I was pushing. Um, not while I was pushing, but you know, in between those mm -hmm. while I was in the water and I felt most of his head come out, but I could like not feel his face so I was like his head's in my hands but like I don't think it's all the way out and my husband was giving me counter pressure so he was kind of behind and he could see his head out and then my midwife came to check and it, it was a similar thing with my daughter where she came to check because 
she was just sitting there for a few contractions. Mm -hmm. She said, I just wanted to see if there was a cord wrapped around maybe that was holding her up. And she had me lift my leg. And then that was like really all that I needed to get her out. But then with Auburn, my son, um, she comes to check and it didn't really seem different to me because she did that with Lennon. Um, I assume she was checking for the cord again. And then she goes, get this leg up. And the urgency in her voice and just all the birth stories I've heard, I, it was so weird how I like, I literally didn't need to hear anything more than that to know what was happening. Mm -hmm. And so she literally like had her hands in up in me too. And I could mm -hmm. feel her hands. I could feel him. It was the weirdest feeling. I honestly didn't. It was crazy because my sister-in-law asked me, did that hurt when her hands were up there? And I was like, no, it was just weird. Mm -hmm. But um, she was like in the pool. Like if you look mm -hmm. at my birth video, she is dripping because she was <laughs> maneuvering him out. And she is like up to her chest in the pool. She laughed about it afterwards and was like, I thought I was about to throw you out of the pool because I'm like <laughs> leaning over the edge of it. <laughs> And because I knew it was a shoulder dystocia, I was just like trying to stay calm and then just give it my all because I was like, we, you know, we want to get this baby out. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, he wasn't stuck for long. She, I would say it was like maybe a minute if that she got in there and she did her little, I'm not exactly sure what she said. She was trying to get in the creases of his arms, I think. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, she, she got him out and then I just grabbed him up and it was crazy how different he was from my daughter who came out of the water. Her eyes were open in the water and we pulled her out and she was like looking at me and then she like looked back at my husband and we just were so tickled by how cool that was that she was just looking right at us. And then my son was born and I don't know if it had to do with you know him being stuck for a minute, but he did, that boy did not, he did not wake up for like, mm -hmm. he was the sleepiest baby. The first month he was just so sleepy. He did not, he was not as alert as his sisters, but yeah, he just was just a little like chunky. Both of my babies were very chunky. He was eight pounds, 15 ounces. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it was, I mean, the shoulder dystocia definitely like sent my, my midwife was like, now that my heart rate has returned to its normal let me check this baby out because I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that's my photographer said the same thing too. She was like, yeah, they started talking about different shoulder dystocias that they'd seen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I am so glad that I had that at home with you mm -hmm. and not in the hospital. Because yep. my uh, photographer who has seen many hospital births was like, oh yeah, if you, if that would have been in the hospital, you would have had 20 people in your room just now. So it yeah. was really nice that I knew something was off, but she, my midwife is like that. She's so, she is calm and has just this very calm, confident presence, but she's like quick to act too. So mm -hmm. that was nice to know. She, I heard that tone in her voice is not one I hear often get this leg up and I did and she did her thing and there he was. Mm. Gosh, Jordan, this is <laughs> your experiences are just incredible. I mean, and when I think about the transformation that you made as a mother, it's just unbelievable. Like, think about how much has changed from someone who, you know, was just 
so uncertain and uncomfortable and unsure and thought, you know, my, my only option is an elective C-section. Like I can't do it to someone who is now saying like, I could not do it in the hospital. Like if I had done it in the hospital, it would have been, you know, like you've just made (laughs) such a massive shift and seeing you take such ownership and responsibility. And that was one thing I wanted to, to touch on here at the end was I love seeing how you did take that ownership and how it has impacted your entire life, your womanhood, you said, you know, just how just stepping into that made such a massive difference. And I think what's so wrong is the way that oftentimes just the way that the medical system is set up, it pulls that away from us or it makes us think that it's pulling it away from us and that it's not really our responsibility. And there's somebody else that's going to take care of that. And listen to me, I know what's best for you. You know, it. if we don't know better, that actually it's my responsibility no matter what, no matter where I give birth, no matter how I do it, uh, it can be so easily, we can be so easily deceived. So the fact that you recognize that and you have just made this monumental shift, I mean, it's just... It's just the most beautiful thing to behold. And I'm just, I'm so honored that you were able to come and share all of this with us. I I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so, so much, Jordan, for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Is there any other way to start this roundup than whoa? I mean, whoa, what a transformation. Let's pick a few of the vast number of golden nuggets Jordan threw our way to recap. I mean, seriously, this episode was just a treasure trove. So number one, so much of our fears stem from the unknown. Jordan didn't know what to expect with her first baby and birth, and at that time, it felt safer to just not know than to have to come to terms with what it could be. Obviously, this changed greatly for Jordan with time, but it really highlights just how stressful the idea of birth can be. And if we don't even feel safe looking into what's happening, it's no wonder that we would want to consider an elective cesarean. Have someone else do it for me, I don't even want to know. But on to my second point, what power did Jordan exhibit when she realized, wait a minute, I'm in control here. She truly became a force to be reckoned with, and it was amazing to see that sense increase throughout her two subsequent births. Once you realize the smoke and mirrors of the idea that someone else has the power, not you, once you realize it's your body and your baby, you can't unsee that. Jordan certainly never did. Number three, I love that Jordan so openly has continued to grow, to learn, and to change. When her midwife recommended some dietary changes that seemed pretty basic, she suddenly had insane improvements in her health. How incredible is it to see that we sometimes do have the ability to greatly increase our health with just a few simple changes? This was such an encouraging aspect of Jordan's journey to me. And finally, how wonderful was it to hear all of the supportive people around Jordan, her husband, her mother-in-law, her midwife, her sister-in-law, all of them playing such integral parts in her experience. And she will never forget how these wonderful people treated her during such a special time. It just fills me with joy to hear when mothers are rallied around in such a beautiful way. 
Okay, my friends, wow. I am just so overwhelmed with this one. What a beautiful story. Be sure to check out Jordan's blog linked in the show notes. And that is all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.